Welcome to Parkview. Glad to have you here. Um, yes, the answer to that is it does make you crazy. Um, and that's the idea. You're supposed to be crazy. You're supposed to be weird. Uh, the Corrado's testimony about adopting, that's crazy. That's, that's what crazy is. That's what weird is. We're supposed to be weird. Jesus called us to be weird. Uh, we had 630 weird women here for a girls' night out event this week. That was phenomenal. And uh, if you didn't notice him, he did such a good job being in drag. Um, that was our executive pastor who snuck in, as promised. It was phenomenal. We're doing this series called Weird, and um, because normal isn't working, because Jesus is weird, the things that he taught were weird, he called us to be weird, okay? So we talked the first week, just kind of a general opener to the thing about, about the narrow way that leads to life and broad road that leads to destruction. And then last week, we talked about a weird view of money. We talked about the normal idea of being broke and living paycheck to paycheck and, and not giving and all those things, and then, and then what the weird way would be that, that God has showed us. And today, we're going to do weird relationships. Next week is weird desires. I'm going to talk about how we deal with our desires in a very, very different way than the world would do. Um, This week was weird relationships, and I started thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of different ways we could take this, but one of the things that's really been on my heart a lot lately is to make sure that as Parkview is a weird church in 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 the next 50 years of my life, to make sure that we're a weird church is that we're a little bit more multicolored when people walk in here. I really think that, I mean, one of the desires of my heart is that we break down every kind of barrier. And I mean, I mean, socioeconomic barrier. I I was following a guy in a Bentley up Wolf Road today. Did you see that guy? I I mean, I was driving blind. I'm like, dude, that's a Bentley. And you know what my first thought was? I wonder if he's going to Parkview. I mean, of course that's my, I mean, he turned into Dunkin' Donuts, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, socioeconomically, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Uh, male, female, doesn't matter, shouldn't matter. Uh, you know, different kinds of backgrounds. And, and racially, it shouldn't matter. We, we should have people from every tribe and tongue in this place. And that should be, that, that, that still be a weird relationship for some of you. You younger people are going to be like, I don't even get that. I don't even see color anymore. And that's great. Well, it's wonderful that our world is there. But what about us? And how could we be more diverse? And so I thought, you know what I could do? I could preach a sermon on that. Or I could stop being a hypocrite because I've never, ever had a person from a minority in my 21 years. As I'm looking back, I can't remember ever having a person of minority uh, influence at all preach in this pulpit. So I've got to start where I believe, right? And, and instead of you hearing from me, I invited my friend Daryl, uh, Daryl Reed, who's a pastor from D.C., um, who's going to come and he's going to talk to us a little bit about what it feels like to be on the other side and what we can be as a church to help be weird in our relationships. Daryl and his wife, Sharon, come on up here. No, come on up here. You're just anxious to get going, aren't you? Daryl is, uh, Daryl's wife is from Southern Illinois and, uh, they met at uh, Western, where he played basketball at Western Illinois University, and he's from a state uh, just a little bit north of here that shall remain nameless. Would you welcome my friend, Daryl? <laughs> it's great to be here. There's this weird guy tailgating me uh, this morning as I was pulling into Dunkin' Donuts. Uh... <laughs> Had to get away from that guy, so anyway. It's great to be here with you. Um, you know, normally when I come and speak at a congregation, the first thing you've got to do as a speaker is to try to find common ground to connect with your audience. And uh, so 
But I thought about it. I said, if I share a couple of things, I think I might lose my audience even before I get started. I am from Wisconsin, and I am a Packer fan. So see, see that? See y'all talking about? You guys are about ready to throw tomatoes at me already. And uh, but I feel I, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for some Chicago fans. Like like I'm not sure if there's any Cubs fans here. Maybe there's more Sox fans. Any Cubs fans? Uh, okay. Uh, you need to be encouraged because the Bible says the last shall be first and the first shall be last. But it's great to be able to, to worship with this great church. You know, this is a, 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 we, a weird church. And that's a good thing. Weird, weird is good. Weird means it's not normal. It's, it's set apart. And, and you have a weird pastor. And, his, and you guys are like, amen. And because he's, he's set apart. God, God has anointed him, and, and he has used, uh, God has used him and, and Denise and their family to really do an incredible thing. I, I've spent some time with them, and I am just blown away. I, I am so thrilled. I am honored to be here with you this weekend. I've been having such a great time. I love this church. Do you love this church? This church is amazing. But as my wife and I were driving in, in the town, uh, we, we came off the plane and we start driving around. This is what we do automatically as we go through any, any new area is we, we kind of notice the, the racial makeup of an area. And as we were driving through Tenley Park, as we were driving through Orland Park, and as we were driving around, we, we noticed that there just wasn't a, a whole lot of black folk. <laughs> and, and if you're a minority... It doesn't make a difference if you're black or white. When you're in a minority, if you're in a situation and you're the minority, you automatically, subconsciously, you start looking for people who look like you as you drive around. It's as if you feel more comfortable if you see somebody. And there's this, there's this unspoken language that happens when you notice somebody that looks like you. You start kind of having this silent conversation like, how are you doing? You greet each other. You look at each other. And... As we were driving around, we just didn't see a, a whole lot of, of, of color, at least where I'm from, from Maryland and from Washington, D.C. It's probably one of the most just racially diverse areas in the country. As a matter of fact, my son's high school is, pro- is probably, uh, I have three boys, their high school is 25% black, 25% white, 25% Asian, and 25% Hispanic. It really is probably the most diverse high school in um, America. But as I was coming here, I, I said, you know, this area, I, I think it's, it's 95% white. And there is absolutely nothing wrong about that. Sometimes I think uh, people carry kind of a, a white guilt. And sometimes I have to go to churches to really stir them and say, you need to be more racially diverse intentionally. Sometimes it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. So I don't want this congregation to have a unnecessary guilt about not being diverse because you're basically reflecting the community and that you're living in. Now, as I encourage you, as I throw flowers at you, make you feel like you like me now as I won your hearts back, I do want to encourage us, though, to become more aware of what God wants this church to be in terms of its heart, in terms of its convictions and its energy so that God will get even more glory out of Parkview. I have a test question for everybody here. 
This is for all the Bible scholars. And I would like you to actually show your, by raising your hand real quick, if, if you can. By raising your hands, how many of you would say God is weird? Raise your hand if you think God is weird. Okay. I, I love the reaction of the crowd. Because you don't really raise your hand right away because you think that's sacrilegious. You know, you think you might go to hell if you say God is weird. And, and yet, as you start thinking about it, you go, yes. And you kind of reluctantly raise your hand and then you're confidently raise your hand as you remember scriptures and Bible verses. God is weird. By definition, God is weird. He's not normal, right? There's only one God. Just by definition, God is weird. He's not like us. He's only, he's, it's one of a kind. Just think about this. The beings that are in heaven that are worshiping God right now. The Bible goes out of its way to describe the weird creatures that are falling down before him at this very moment, this very instance the Bible talks about it in Revelations, and it talks about it in Isaiah. It talks about it in Ezekiel, these creatures. Let me describe some of them. And they're angels. Sometimes they're called cherubim. They're seraphim. They're, 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 they're these, there's these angelic beings. Well, Ezekiel describes some of them really weird. In heaven right now, at least as God was speaking to Ezekiel, he saw this vision of this fire-like tornado spinning around in heaven. It had fire in it inside. It was, it was, it was, and it had four creatures inside this firestorm tornado-like thing in heaven. These four creatures, they kind of had the form of a man. They had six wings, arms coming out of the middle wings. They also had four heads. Now, that's kind of weird. Just, but what makes it even that much more weird, one head was an ox, one head was an eagle, one head was uh, a human head, and one head was a lion's head. So it had a four-headed creatures, four of them, flying around heaven, going back and forth, praising God. Underneath these creatures, at this very moment, are wheels. I know that sounds weird, but that's what the Bible says. And as, the, as these creatures are flying around, there are these intersecting wheels that are following them all around heaven as we are here. What makes it that much more weird is these wheels have eyeballs on them. On the rims of the wheels are eyes. And then above these creatures is this glass sea, and there's this throne that's sitting high above this, maybe like this crystal sea. So this, this, this throne has a rainbow that's encircling it. And then high above this throne is a being. This being from the waist up is, 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 is fire. It's like a hot coal on fire. And the Bible says it's, it's, it's clouded, it's, it's shrouded, and it's unapproachable light. And then the scriptures say, this is the appearance of the likeness of God. Now, that's not like anything I've ever seen on this earth. That's kind of weird if you think about it. But that's God. 
And that's who you pray to. That majestic, holy being in heaven that knows everything, that never had a beginning, that never will have an end, is right there. And that one being loves us. That's so unbelievable. And we can talk to him and have intimate fellowship with that unapproachable being. Now, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Bible basically is teaching this concept that I don't think like you. That's what God has said. I, don't, I, I think completely different. As a matter of fact, if we view God, we would say God is weird. You know, weird is always in the eyes of the beholder. To God, we are weird because we don't think like him. You know, the Bible says also that Jesus is the exact representation of his father. Jesus, on one hand, it's, it's not, he's not weird at all. He's so relatable. He's so, he connects with us at so many different levels. But on, another, on the other hand, Jesus is really weird too. What makes Jesus weird is it's not that he can't communicate. It's, 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 it's his extraordinary commitment and devotion to God. And we saw this even at a young age. Jesus, remember he was in, his family was going on vacation in Jerusalem and, and Jesus got lost. They, they, they couldn't find him. But when they found him, he was in the temple actually teaching the teachers. And his mom asked them, where were you? Jesus replied with a weird statement. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I think it took everybody back. This is an extraordinary kid. He's teaching the teachers. His devotion to his father was extraordinary. It was even weird. Jesus had such a great love for God that he says, but the world must learn that I love the father and that I do exactly what my father has commanded me. Jesus did. How many people do that? How many people do exactly what God says? Jesus had this extraordinary commitment to his father. What made Jesus not normal was his teachings, another thing. You know, Jesus taught some things that are so different. He taught, blessed are the less fortunate. Blessed are the humble. When everybody else was teaching, blessed are you if you're wealthier. Blessed are you if you're rich, or if, you, if you're prosperous. Jesus was teaching something completely different. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Jesus would say, turn the other cheek. We would say, that's weird. If somebody hits you, you better hit them back. Jesus said, no, don't hit them back. Turn the other cheek. Somebody wants to do you wrong, let them do wrong. As a matter of fact, bless them. He says, forgive those who sin against you. Up to, up to seven times 70 in one day. He said, Jesus would teach, go the other mile. Love your enemies. All of these teachings are weird. But what makes Jesus really weird was his extraordinary, his not normal love for people. If you think about it, when Jesus was on the cross, 
when he was suffering and he was dying on the cross, he looked over and he saw the, the criminal who was needing forgiveness. Jesus blessed him and said, you can enter paradise. When Jesus looked down on the crowd around him and they were the ones that were stoning him, or they were the, not stoning him, they were the ones that were uh, persecuting him and crucifying him, Jesus actually blessed them. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That kind of love has shaped and shaken our world. And that's the kind of love that Jesus demands of his followers. In John chapter 13, verse 34, the Bible says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is the challenge that I believe God wants to give Parkview Church here. To really love one another. To show that we are authentic, for real, followers of Jesus Christ. A love that crosses over cultural barriers. A love that transcends and and moves beyond race. When the world is looking for where is authentic Christianity, Jesus says you will be able to define it by the love that my followers have for each other. Unfortunately, in our world, what's normal is for different racial groups or cultural groups to either be at odds or to have such discord and decision amongst each other that we just really don't love each other. Whether it's suspicion or bitterness or hatred or discrimination or favoritism, man, I was, it's, it's just not normal to have whites and blacks, rich and poor, connecting at that kind of level. In 1 Samuel verse six, uh, chapter 16 and verse 7, the Bible says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. For the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If we're going to be weird, we're going to have to think the way God thinks. Well, we look past skin color. And look at the hearts of men and women. That's what's weird. To not pay attention, to not judge, to not look down on, to ignore the external appearance. That's weird in our world. And yet that's the next level that God is calling all of us to. To be weird like God. To think like God. You know, God has a way of getting our attention and preparing us to be great commission-minded Christians. And this is what he did with me in in my life. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in a neighborhood that was all black. And I remember the first time I actually moved to an area that was majority white or almost all white. My dad accepted a coaching job as uh, the assistant basketball coach at the University of Wisconsin. So we moved, our family moved from the inner city of Milwaukee to move to Madison, Wisconsin. And when I arrived at our school, our school was pretty much all white. I was in seventh grade, and even you're in seventh grade, you kind of connect with the different classmates. And I don't think they saw too many black folks back then. And you could tell because of the awkward greeting that I, I received. 
And some people wanted to kind of touch my, my skin. That, that was kind of awkward. I had an afro, a big afro back in the day. Okay, you guys don't need to laugh too loud, you know, just on that point. I had a headband on too. It was, I, was, I was smooth. I had the arm, the, the elbow pads, the wrist pads, the knee pads, socks up to my knees, and you couldn't tell me anything. I was smooth on the basketball court. I had this puffy afro, and uh, I mean, dozens of little white kids would come up and try to touch my afro. I mean, that's, first of all, that's not proper etiquette. When somebody's sitting down trying to get their homework done, you don't walk up from behind and just start touching their afro. They just wanted to know how it felt. They thought that was weird because it was different. Now, I was looking at them like, man, all of y'all are weird. But they're like, you're weird. But, you know, God was just shaping me. This kind of exposed me to different cultures, different kind of way of different people. And he was opening my eyes. Eventually, I moved back to Milwaukee, and I eventually became a star basketball player in the city. and got a scholarship to go to Western Illinois University, the Fighting Leathernecks. And uh, that's what they're called. I mean, I, and and uh, I, I, I so appreciate being able to go to Western. But as I was moving to Western, I wanted to connect with a church that, that a church that I was familiar with, a church that I grew up with. So I was looking for a church of Christ, and eventually I, I found one. Going through the directory, but it was a little outside outside of town. So I left my dorm, had go to the church, and I had, I, I, it was some weird encounters. It was different. First of all, it's different when you're walking past, a city kid is walking past a cornfield in order to go to church. That was different for me. But as I walked into the building, I immediately saw that I was the only black person in this church. And everybody turned around to look at me. But that, that wasn't the only thing that was different. They wore overhauls. It was a farming community. They had work boots on. I was dressed, to, I was dressed down, had my Sunday best, and everybody else wearing, you know, overhauls. And some of them had even dirt underneath their fingernails, probably because of a hard day's work the night before. It was a different experience. It was totally, and I'm sure it was different for them. I know it was different for them. One of the kids in the church, this is what maybe, maybe it was two or, or three years old. I, I, I know I was the only black he's ever saw in his life. And he would always stare at me. And he would admire me. On one rainy uh, Wednesday evening, he went out playing, you know, as kids do after church. And then he came running inside the fellowship hall with mud all on his hands and his arms and his face. And he came in and he, and he told everybody, I'm Daryl Reed, as he was running around the fellowship. <laughs> this little kid, Nate, you couldn't catch him. He was just running and zipping around. He was, he was totally covered. He was, he was, he was black. He was, and at first, I was offended. I was like, here's a little kid walking around in blackface. I mean, I got a little mad at the little guy. And I, but you know what? I said, this, this is awesome. You know what that church did? 
that church didn't say, you know what, Daryl, there's a black church down the street I think you'll feel more comfortable in. That church pulled me into their hearts. They loved me. They shared the gospel. They shared their food, and that's what really got my attention. They shared their food in their homes often. I was in college, remember that. And then we start doing ministry together. One of the ministers said, Daryl, we would like to start doing some outreach to students. And I remember bringing different players from the basketball team to church, and they said, Daryl, why are you going to this weird church? Man, you're the only black. These are rural country folk. But the same thing happened to them. The love captured their heart. By the time we, I left Western, man, we had a, a ministry of about 50 people, multiracial. That church was changed. All because somebody just kind of pulled me in and shared. You know, I've been doing the ministry ever since then. I never stopped. But a conviction that came to my mind was, you know, I've got I've to learn these lessons. The scriptures are clear. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives and he commissions his church to go make a difference in the world that we live in. He says to the faithful 11, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus' most critical teaching. As he's about ready to go back to heaven, he charges, he gives his commission to the faithful 11. And because he gave it to them, he's actually giving it to every Christian in every generation, in every congregation, in every city in the world to go make disciples. But what's interesting here is he says, go make disciples of all nations. You know, in Greek, the word nations is the word ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S, ethnos, where we get our English word ethnicity. Jesus is commanding his church to go make disciples of all nations, meaning places, yes, but also all kinds of people groups. That's the charge that Jesus gives the church. And that's the charge he's given Parkview. All people groups in all places. You know, there's several things that I learned from my over 20 plus years of serving in the ministry all across this country and building and starting and initiating some multicultural churches where we cross over cultural and racial barriers. There are several things that I want to suggest that you can do as an individual Christian to make a difference in the lives of people who, who may be different from you. Number one, we have to be aware that everybody needs the gospel of God. This is not our, your, your people. We Everybody needs salvation. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and all have fallen short 
of the glory of God. And if we all sin in this way, we all need salvation in this way. You know, sometimes we, we try to judge who is open to the gospel by, make, by, 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 by looking at them externally. You know what I found? You can't tell who would be receptive to responding to the gospel by looking at them. Isn't that true? You can't. And one way I know this is true, all you have to do is look to the right and the left or look at the band and you say, okay, I can tell. You can't tell. Sometimes we play these games in our mind. I think he looks open and we find out that they're totally closed. Or we say, you know what? I'm sure he wouldn't want to come to church. And then they're like, man, I've been, I've been praying. I've been looking for a church. You can't tell. So what we ought to do as individual followers of Jesus Christ is just share our faith with everybody without prejudging people. As I talk to people, I try to, uh, sometimes it's, it's awkward. It's easier to share your faith with people who look like you, who you share a commonality with. But one of the things I have noticed through the years is people are just looking for genuine folk who love God. They're looking for an answer. And you don't actually have to go, you don't actually have to add to your skill set or strategy to connect with people who may look different than you. So I, it's hilariously, I, sometimes I bump into people who try to connect with different people from different cultures by, in their mind, trying to act like them. And they will walk up, and maybe it's a white guy trying to reach out to a black guy, and he immediately walks up and starts trying to talk jive to him. Like, what's up, brother man, and this and that, as if that's how that guy talks. Sometimes they try to shake your hand differently. Sometimes they try to maybe walk. I mean, I, sometimes it's funny, when, especially when, when I see white folks who really don't have a clue how some black folks act. They try to walk a little different as if they're connecting with this guy. Can I encourage you? Just be yourself. However you shake hands with anybody, that's how you shake hands. If you want to give somebody some dap and all of that kind of, that, that's cool. That, I'm not saying don't do that. But what people are looking for is you being real and you being authentic and you sharing your life and your heart and your love for Jesus Christ. That's what's going to stand out and that's what's going to make a difference with your coworkers and your neighbors and the people around you. Just let them see the light and love of Jesus Christ. Be yourself. Preach the word. You know, the power is not in your, how you invite people or how you talk about Jesus Christ. You know, the power is really in the Word of God. So I want to encourage you, open the Scriptures. Share, share Bible verses and Scriptures that have helped mold your faith and change your life. Get them into the Bible. What I have found is if people feel your love and if people hear you preaching the Word... Not your opinion, but the word. They will respond to Jesus Christ. Because it's really not even about you. It's about what God does through his Holy Spirit on people's hearts. Preach the word. Don't preach your opinions. Sometimes we, 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 we put our opinions on an equal par as the word of God. I, I use it, sometimes I, I tell people, listen, I, politics oftentimes can divide. 
So don't preach politics. Preach scripture. And when you come to your different opinions that you have, well, just, just be quiet. Make sure people know this is just an opinion. This is not scripture. This is my opinion. But if you really want to have a broader appeal, make sure you preach the scriptures. Preach the word. And finally, we just got to be comfortable. We have to make minorities feel comfortable. Well, how do you do that? By welcoming them. It's, it's, it's not that hard. We just need to just make sure people feel welcomed. In my congregation in Washington, D.C. area, we're probably about 75% African-American, maybe 25% white. And when we have caucus, and it's, it's usually different for a white person to come to a church where there's a black preacher. I have to go out of my way to make sure the white folks who come in feel welcome. It could be simply as, man, you're just telling them, it's great to have you. You are welcome here. You don't have to run out. I know we're a little different. I know it's probably a different experience for you. But we really just want to go by scripture and have you over our home. And you know what we've done? We've, we've been able to make inroads, crossing over cultural barriers in Washington, D.C. Because we just really want to love people. You know... I love the imagery of how heaven is going to look. The Bible talks about this in Revelations. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, the scriptures say, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. You know, our picture of heaven oftentimes is, 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 is kind of messed up because we think that there's going to be races in heaven. But the bottom line is there's going to be all kinds of people from every nation. There's not going to be the white section in heaven. There's not going to be the black section or the black cloud. That's where the black folks go. There's not going to be the Latino session where they speak Spanish only and everybody's having earphones on be as, a, as God is translating to them. Heaven is going to be filled with all types of people. And if that's what's going to be normal for eternity, don't you think we ought to practice that normal here in this world? Let us recommit to truly following Jesus Christ's two commands, to love one another and make disciples of all nations. Parkview, you are awesome. I love you, and may God bless you. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, we're so grateful for your scriptures, scriptures that teach us about you, scriptures that helps us understand, Father, that you love us in spite of who we are. Scriptures that teach us about your son, Jesus, who with his incredible love for us offered his life and suffered for us. Scriptures that teach us about what's on Jesus' heart, the salvation of souls, to encourage the least and to save the lost. Father, may you bless this incredible congregation of believers so that we can fulfill your great commission in our life. We love you. 
May God, may, God you, may you bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to do communion now, and uh, we do this every week at Parkview, but I, I want you to put yourself back in that place that Daryl reminded of, us of earlier, being around the throne of heaven where there's people from every tribe and tongue, and nothing really makes any difference because we're all the same. The outward appearance is completely gone, and, and we're all just the same. We're all standing before the throne, and nobody can see any different. But I want you to take it one step further, because what I feel like happens sometimes is that you come in, and, and no matter what color you are, what race, what whatever's going on on the outside, you may walk in feeling like you're different on the inside than everybody else here. And of course, we can't see it, but in your mind, you're thinking... If they knew what I was like, would they welcome me? And the answer to that question is absolutely. Because we look the same inside as you do. We are all sinners. We are all saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. So if you walked in here today and you think, well, on the outside I look pretty normal with everybody else here, but on the inside I feel a little bit different. I feel like if they knew me, they wouldn't love me, they wouldn't accept me. I could tell you stories for the rest of the afternoon about the sinners who go to this church. And I am their chief. And I come before you right now telling you that when we get to heaven and we stand around the throne, it is not going to be because of what I have done in my life or what I haven't done in my life. It's going to be because of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. So we're going to celebrate that. And if you've never accepted that gift, this would be a great time to join the rest of us because there's going to be an awesome part view section in heaven, and we want you to be there with us. God, I pray that you'll be with us right now as we uh, come to worship, and I thank you for Daryl and his words. I thank you for the opportunity to, to get to know this brother, and I thank you for the lifelong friendship that we will have as we uh, do this journey together. And uh, I, I thank you for the fact that we are going to be around the throne with people from every different kind of ethnicity and every different kind of background and people who believe differently than we do on, and on a lot of different subjects. And we're all going to look at each other and go, oh, you're here? Oh, yeah, you're here? Yeah. Uh, who, who would have thought? And those of us that know what went on on the inside and know the sin that is in each other's lives are going to be surprised to see who's there as well, like a thief that was on a cross that was being crucified because he was so bad, like a guy who was a murderer, like a guy who was an adulterer, like a guy who was a liar, all those people that are in the Bible, and we're going to look at them and we're going to say, you know what, they weren't good either. And people are going to know that the only reason that we're there is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray for the part view section to expand today as, um, as people just maybe sitting out there say to, them, to you and open up their hearts to you and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I do believe in you. I, I do need your forgiveness. I do want you to be my Lord and my Savior. It's all we need to do because whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. All we need to do is accept it. And then you will come in and then you will change our hearts and you will change our lives. And, and we will be on the road that leads to life and we will follow you. Lord, be with us now as we commune and, and bless this time.
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.